Hey, uh, it's, it's good to be back with you. It's good to be back. Last week was actually our first Sunday back, but I didn't do anything except hug a lot of people, <laughs> which took a lot of prayer time in the morning to get ready for. <laughs> but, but we made it through. It was, it was good. I sacrificed myself to give you a hug, you know. I actually like hugs more now, I think. Um, but you're always unsure in a sort of COVID-conscious world whether or not hugging's appropriate or not. Hey, uh, it's Vision Sunday, and what that means... Yeah, Vision Sunday is a time every year as a church where we take some time to uh, share what we feel like as the leadership and as the pastors, God is speaking to us and what he's leading us into as a church. And it normally has two parts. It has the part of like uh, who we're becoming and what we feel like God is trying to shape into us or call us into or how he might be prophetically wanting to move in us. But it also has the other part of some of the things we're doing and some of the exciting new things and different parts of the conversation. And so Vision Sunday is actually split into two weeks. It's this week. We will be talking a lot more about who we're becoming. And next week, we'll be talking about some of the things we're doing and continuing to talk about who we're becoming. And uh, even today is divided into sort of two parts. One part will be like the word that we feel for the year. Uh, and the other part is really the part that I'm going to talk about now, which is like the bigger sense of what Katie and I feel and certainly our leadership board feel and our, our executive team feel and our staff have no idea, so they'll be hearing this for the first time too, uh, what we feel God is calling us into as a church. So I just think it's an important conversation for us to have. I think it's important for us to be attentive to what God might be doing in us as a church and how he might be speaking to us. So we shall start by praying if that's okay. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for you. Our words could not express our gratitude. And God, we are thankful that you love us, that you're present with us, Lord. And would you help us to be attentive to your presence this morning? Would you help us to see the way in which you are moving in and around our lives? And would you lead us further into everything that you have for us on our journeys with you? God, today we give you all of our attention. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, I, I think the journey of our church is like, it's a story Maybe like you could read about it in a book one day if somebody would write about it. Um, I've tried a few times and given up as many times. But <laughs> it, it's like a story. And like any great story, you can divide it into chapters, right? Because you need to be able to break down a story so that it has some beginnings and ends within all of the seasons of the story. And the story of this church has like, it actually starts with a forward. And like any great forward, it's written by somebody else. Okay. And so this church's story began with the forward of Grant and Debbie. And Debbie's actually here this morning and we should honor her for, and her and her husband for all of the time that they spent leading this church. Because without the great forward, there would be no chapter one and any other chapters after that. And that, 
that forward has laid the foundation for what's happened over the last nine and a half years. And I would like, I mean, we could probably break down the last nine and a half years into a few chapters, but for the sake of today, let's just call it chapter one. Chapter one. And if I could call chapter one anything, I would call it learning and growing. Learning and growing. That's what it's felt like for me, but that's what it's been like for us as a church. Like the the chapter's gone through all of these different, like chapter one's gone through all of these phases. I'm going to be talking about chapter two, but we need to talk about chapter one first, because chapter two doesn't make sense without chapter one. And we need to, some of you are newer in the journey, some of you have been here for the forward and chapter one, you know? And so we're all here together trying to catch up on the story. But chapter one has been this crazy story. It started with, oh no if you know some of the story, and then went to, oh my goodness, God, you're still here. And then it became, God, you want to do more than we could have ever imagined. And that's why I would call the whole thing learning and growing, because God's been growing his church, and we've been trying to learn on the way. That's how it's felt like for us as a pastor. It's never felt like we have been the initiators of what God has wanted to do. It's felt like he just brought people and were like, oh, we're a growing church now. What does that mean? It's felt like he started turning up in gatherings like, oh, we're a church where God's presence is now. Okay, what does that mean? Oh, people started getting saved. Oh, we're a church where people get saved now. What does that mean? And we've been trying to respond to him all of the way along. So it's been like, God doing the growing and us doing the learning, which has been really uncomfortable as a pastor. Like we started at 25 years old and it's really awkward growing and learning in front of everybody. Like we all want to do our growing and learning in secret, right? And then appear, you know, as magnificent and sorted. My journey just feels like humiliations and apologies. But that's sort of the way God has had chapter one. And God, we actually started chapter one with a few verses really on our heart. Like Psalm 139 speaks of how God dreamed every day in our life. Like he dreamed it and he wrote it in his book before a single day was lived. It's just like a beautiful picture that God dreamed our lives before we even knew we had lives. And, and Ephesians 2 verse 10 says that we're being created anew in Christ Jesus, not just for the sake of it, but for these good works that he's prepared for us since long ago and that our lives have this incredible eternal purpose. And Ephesians and 1 chapter, 10, oh, chapter 1 verse 10, it says it's in Christ that we actually find out who we are and what we're living for. And so these verses have sort of shaped the journey of chapter 1. And it's been pretty cool. Behind me, I asked the team to bring all of these frames um, from our offices. They sit in our pastor's office. These are all of the people, but the ones we missed photos for, um, that have been baptized over the last nine and a half years. And uh, I don't know the exact number, but I know it's over 500 uh, people have been baptized in the last nine and a half years. And I just, I wanted to bring this because this is the story of, this is the the fruit of chapter one. This is the fruit of chapter one. There's, I can look through these different things, hopefully. I didn't look at these beforehand. And I can go, this guy here, 
first started coming to our church on the week we became pastors and had never been to church before in his life, would end up giving his life to Jesus. I can see some teenagers here that are now adults in our church. I can see people's one mores, so to speak, people who have been prayed for for a long time. I can see people's children and these deep, beautiful family moments as people finally had all of their prayers answered for their children. I see old photos and I see new photos and I know that while these are just a moment in time, these represent so many prayers and so much love so much toil, so much hope, so much coffee, (laughs) so much riding through the highs and the lows of life. These represent the fruit of being church and doing what he asked us to do. Over the last nine and a half years, we have seen not only so many people come to Jesus. You know, it's crazy when you start, when you, when you feel like God gives you a vision for something that isn't happening, but then it starts happening. I don't know if you've ever had that in your life. It's like it, us, God shows you something that isn't, and then you believe him, you trust him, you choose to lean into that as if it is, even though it isn't. And then you, you walk as if it is, and then at some point it is. Not just is in your mind, it is. I remember for years we, we would say, because like churches have historically actually been pretty good at reaching like young people, like people under the age of 19, and statistics would show that about 90% of people begin their relationship with Jesus under the age of 19. I think that's like awesome and amazing. But Katie and I always talked about how amazing would it be to have a church that reached people over 18? And we'd like often talk about that and just be like, that feels like something that the church needs to get better at reaching adults. Like children matter too. It's not an either or. We can have both. And it's incredible when you look at this that probably 80% of these people are over the age of 18. It's, it's pretty amazing seeing. We wanted to see a church where miracles happen and it seems to be the place where people that can't have babies come here and after a while they get pregnant. It's a church over the last nine and a half years where people have found their significant other and where people have lost their significant other. It's a place where people have come to faith, where people have rediscovered their faith. It's actually been pretty cool just finally seeing some of the kids that were started as kids and now they're no longer kids in the church in chapter one and they are like leaders in the church now. But like when we started pastoring, they were like annoying. <laughs> just little kids, you know, just being kids. And you would take time as a pastor to like know them and to say hello to them and to give out a high five. And now they are taking the things of God forward and they're leading us in so many ways. It's been awesome actually seeing the coming together of generations over the last nine and a half years. I think, I don't know if you know, but like we're not that young anymore We're no longer 25, but um, we're not as young as we once were, but it's quite rare to have pastors of our age, but many people in our church of the diversity of ages that we have. It's quite rare, but that's a thing God's done, that he's 
like that. If you go to our 6.30 gathering, it's like, you should, you all should, because it's good for us, because we need each other. But, and then you come to this gathering, and there's a little bit more gray here. I have one in my bed. <laughs> a few more on the sides. It's been awesome seeing the older generation realize that they're still needed. And more than needed, they're wanted. It's been awesome to write albums over the years and share our songs and our stories with the world. There's been so much, and I could just talk for all of my time about chapter one and all of its beauty. You know, it was quite cool actually coming last week for the first time in ages and, uh, and just being able to see it again for the first time yeah. after, you know, not, not doing it for three and a half months. I actually have a tissue somewhere. Thanks, Nikki. I prepared for this moment. Ah, oh, yes, great. Your pastor's a crier, and we can love him for it. It was awesome seeing it for the first time again, and just not seeing the running of it, but just seeing what God was doing in people's lives, and being able to appreciate all of that. When I brought this little contraption, called a metronome, because for all of its awesomeness, over the last nine and a half years, it's felt a lot like this. Let it raise your heart rate. <laughs> it's felt like this in me, and it's felt like this in our team. And for all of its beauty, it's probably felt like this on a Sunday. And there's a lot going on, and it's hard to even talk to that pace, isn't it? Can you feel yourself getting anxious? You know, like fast music has the ability to increase your blood pressure and your heart rate. And slow music, the inverse of that. And this is what's been going on in me. And even though I always had a sabbatical planned last year, I needed one. And I didn't just need one, I couldn't keep going. And you always like feel nervous about sharing these things as a pastor of like, should you be this vulnerable? But when I sat in front of my clinical psychologist that I've been seeing for the last five years, because... We're all messed up, and we all need help. And he said those horrid words that I hoped never to hear, that you were burnt out. I said, no, not that. Maybe just browned out. Because <laughs> I feel like it's thrown around. But the reality is we live in a burnout culture, living life at a pace that's unsustainable. Not only was I burnt out, I was completely physically and emotionally, spiritually fatigued. And I actually still am to a large extent, because it's a long process of recovery. 
that led to depression and processing all of that. And I think so much of it has to do with this. With this. And so, as Katie and I have thought and prayed about what chapter 2 might mean and all of what God is doing in and through us and for our church. And as we began to discuss these things with our board and just be like, look, is there anything of this that resonates or should we, I don't know, do something else? (laughs) There was a sense that we all agreed that chapter 2 needed to begin. And... uh, Our hope is, oh my goodness, can you just feel that? Our hope is that chapter 2, if you could sum it up anyway, might be, that's like heart rate, so let's go a little bit slower than that. Might be a little bit more like this. can take a deep breath. As Tony said to me more, Sabbath should sound like this. <laughs> there should be something about Sundays in our lives that are like that. Maybe the rest of it can go to this. But if we could sum up anything of all of the stuff in one metaphor of what we feel God is calling us into as a church, in one way, it would be the metronome. It would be the pace of things. It's not that the things we're doing are not important. They are. They're of eternal importance. We try and not do anything in our church life that isn't necessary. We try to keep it as decluttered as possible But I can't help but know that however chapter 2 looks, it needs to feel like this. And even more so in our current world. I think we really need to be a place, like our name means for the soul. And I think chapter 2 needs to be a time where we actually live into that name. How is your soul? How was it? Is that going to be annoying if I leave that going the whole time? How was your soul? Have you taken any time in the last little while to even ask that question? Not how's the bank account? How are you going towards buying that house? Or, how's your job? How's your soul? Is it restless? Or is it at rest? Is it starving? Or is it well full on the goodness of God? Is it distracted? Or does it know God's presence? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Living that life of just that line is like the most rebellious act in our world you could ever live. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Jesus would say in Matthew 28, oh, 11, 28, he would say, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my way, take my way upon you, for I, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Jeremiah 6, 16 says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Show me the good way that you might find rest for your souls. In Revelation chapter 20 to 22, it paints this picture of the world of a lake of fire, which is sort of just like the world, and within it, this holy city. And it says in this holy city that there is a river of life flowing within its streets. And it's not so much a picture of some event to happen in the future, it's a picture of what the church what us and our lives together is supposed to be in the now in contrast to the world. That everywhere where God's people would gather together, it would be like this beautiful city filled with a river of living water amongst people who have a quenching thirst. That the church would be an oasis in a desert world. And I think that's not about the things we do. That's about who we are and how we are. And I wrote all of these things down like this that I think are like marker points for chapter 2. But I don't have time to discuss them all today. But we'll discuss them over the course of the year and the years ahead. But Katie and I did take some time to try and best articulate all of the things we have always felt from God and we feel like have gotten hidden under the busyness of everything we do. And uh, it's a draft and it's in process of being discussed and prayed about by the board and the leadership team and all of that sort of stuff. So it's not finished, it's a work in progress, but I would like to share the work in progress with you so you could know a bit of what chapter 2 at Curate is all about. The church we see. We see a church of wholehearted followers of Jesus constantly being transformed into his likeness, immersed in the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who know God and therefore know the unconditional love of God, returning that love to Him with all of their heart, their soul, their mind and strength, who live counter to the world around them, recognizing God's grace in every situation and person, living dependent 
and surrendered to God and his rhythms of grace. We see a church of depth, rich in spiritual disciplines, both communal and personal, possessing the courage and the strength, wisdom, restfulness, integrity, generosity, and life that these inevitably bring. We see a whole church healthy spiritually, relationally, emotionally, where people can find healing, wholeness, and freedom through the love of others, the power of prayer, and the miracles of God. We see a church that is a people to journey with, not simply a place to attend. We see a community of grace who live out the kingdom life together, who treasure every story when no one walks alone and we, when, where we are there for each other through the good and the bad and the ugly. We see a church of all generations that loves and discovers their profound need for each other. We see a church that is an oasis in a desert world. We see a humble church willing to trust God and others with ourselves. We see an authentic church who understand God's love for us is on the basis of his grace and not our performance. So we are free to live honest before God and others. We don't pretend. We wrestle for what is real. A safe place to question and walk through doubts. It's messy and we like it that way. It's grounded and gritty. It's human and kingdom. We see a church overflowing with gratitude and joy who doesn't withhold their praise to the one who is worthy of it all, whose songs not only join with heavens, but also touch the ends of the earth. We see a creative church that understands our lives were meant to be a work of art, where our diversity is cherished and our unity is fought for with honor. We see a courageous church who sticks by people, who refuse to give up faith, and where possible is redefined. We see a church that is a house of restoration for those that need to find their feet again. We see a church of servant leaders where character trumps giftedness, where leaders are raised up and sent out to make a significant difference for the kingdom of God throughout the world. We see a church that believes everyone deserves to hear the message of Jesus from someone they can trust in a way they can understand and with a power that's transformational. We see a church that's courageous in the mission of God. We see a church that is active in making wrong things right in our hearts, homes, and neighborhood. Recognizing what's in our hands can make an eternal difference, our time, our talent, and our treasure. Where people have been so impacted, they can't keep the kingdom to themselves. We see a church that rolls up its sleeves and draws near to the forgotten, the addicts, the lonely, and all those in need. We see a church whose scattered lives touch every corner of society with the kingdom. A people who are equipped to live their story, share their story, and proclaim the good news of Jesus. We see a global church and that what God has begun with us in Mount Monganui would impact cities around the world. We see a church that believes the best days for the kingdom of God are ahead of us and prayerfully labor to see them ushered in. And we see a church that's for the soul, for any soul, for our community's soul, and for the soul of our world. To every soul, no my, hearty mine, welcome home. It feels like in chapter 2, 
a simple slogan wouldn't do it. To sort of try and capture this deepening journey that God is taking us on as a church. We've done a lot of doing, and we will continue to do doings because we were made for good things. And we were made for good works. And, and that's part of being beings is doing the doings. But we can't help but shake that God is calling us to put a lot more weight on the becomings. On the formings. On the deepenings. On the prayings. On the relatings. On the waitings. And all those other not so easy things. But they are the way of Jesus. When he said, come to me that you might find life. Life to the full. He didn't mean the life we were already living plus our wish list. He meant a completely different way of life. And I think we could do better at finding that all together. And so that's chapter two for us, or at least the beginnings of it. Chapter one's finished. It finished last week. Today begins chapter two. And I couldn't figure out a segue to then talk about the word of the year that we had sort of left the team with before we left to get everything ready for this year on. So I thought I'd just get Katie to do it. So I am the segue. <laughs> you are the segue. Fantastic. Wasn't he amazing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you've been... Um, part of the journey for a while, you'll know that every year we, um, Joel and I, seek God to hear like a word that would become like our theme and our anthem and our focus for the year. And so last year, um, we sought God and we heard from him this word. And I just want to share with you um, a dream that I had last year, and it was definitely a God dream. And I won't go into all the details, but to sum it up, There I was at the end of my life, and I was sitting down next to Jesus, and he said, what are you the most proud of? What do you see? And I said four different things. I said, halfway up the mountain, because I was on the top of the mountain, I said, halfway up, I realized that the wolves had no claws and no teeth. And then the second thing I said was, and look at our family, all of our children, our grandchildren all know the Lord. The third thing I said was, wow, look at the salvations. And I mean, you should have seen it, all the salvations through the ministry of Curate. And then the fourth thing I said was, and look at all of the believers that have found freedom. And I woke up and I realized, I was like, wow, Lord, we are yet to fully step into this new anointing and a calling on Curate, which is to see believers be set free. And so the theme for this year and the word on our heart that God's been speaking to us is freedom. It's freedom. And yeah, it's really exciting. 
It's really exciting. And we've begun to see it. And we're gonna, we are going to see it. Guys, we are going to pioneer. And we are going to see believers set free. And so the theme for this year is I hear the sound of freedom. Freedom.